As a follow-on to our profile of Arnold Vitocco earlier, we've got the great pleasure of having with us Mark Kuta, Chief Executive Officer of Vitocco Enterprises. Mark, we'll get into your role at this business, but, but first I thought we'd just talk about your journey and, and your background, 25 years in banking and finance. Tell us, if you could, a little bit about your, your, your early upbringing in, the, in professional life and in banking and finance in particular. Thank you, Rob, and um, really... Uh Pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, I might start off by just saying, like, in a very, very similar vein to Arnold's family, my father came to Australia uh, back in the 70s to join his sister. Uh, he had a choice also to go to various places but chose Sydney, Australia, and here we are today. So um, the, we are quite aligned in, uh, in our family's history and heritage. To give you an insight into me and my background, um, my father's dream when he got here was that I would actually be a finance executive. Uh, and I've told the story to a number of folks. Uh, I finally granted him his wish because his ultimate wish is that one day I would join the Commonwealth Bank. And um, because on the first day that he arrived, with the small amount of money we had, the first enterprise he visited was the Commonwealth Bank and put our meagre amount of money as a family into a deposit there. From that day on, my dad just stood by and watched the Commonwealth Bank as an organisation with absolute admiration and said to me when I finally went to commerce and accounting school, uh, you know, you should always join the Commonwealth Bank. If you ever get an opportunity, join the Commonwealth Bank. I didn't go directly there, but you know, prior to joining the Vitoco organisation, I was there um, and that's where I actually met the family for the last 13 years. But my journey to here, um, it's an interesting one in that I, it, although I was in financial services, I, I was in varied financial services organisations, I mean by their nationality. So I started working for a subsidiary of the Dutch organisation, ABN AMRO, uh, and I found that incredibly fascinating and I learned a lot from them. And they have a unique style, the way the Dutch um, run their organisations. Um, during that time, I was doing my master's work and every single story at that time was about US organisations and US-led organisations and how General Electric, Jack Welsh in particular, uh, was producing more Fortune 500 S&P leaders than any other organisation on the planet. So it was the apple of those days. And, you know, I was drawn to them and I wanted to go there next. And um, a good friend of mine who was uh, a recruiter, still is actually, uh, rang me up and said, I have something for you at GE Capital. Would you like to go there? And I stayed there for a decade and I learned a lot. So now I'd moved from a Dutch organisation to an American organisation. Um, and then I joined Australia's biggest organisation in CBA and I absolutely learned so much from all of them. I was really, really excited to join the CBA during the GFC because it actually meant that I could help in the rebuild of Australia because, you know, we were really doing it tough there and it was an organisation that was domestically focused. And so that, um, yeah, that's how I sort of uh, journeyed my way through the finance and banking industry. Just, you, you touched on it there, your family migrated from India to Australia in, in the 70s. Why the attraction to Australia? And then the second part of that is why the attraction to, to finance for yourself? My father was a, a, an entrepreneur at heart. He was a farmer by night and he was an office executive by day. 
My dad worked for, believe it or not, an Italian company. And here we go again with another similarity. My dad worked for Pirelli uh, in India. And uh, my mum was an air hostess for Indian Airlines. And um, my father uh, had heard from his sister in Australia, as they normally would keep in touch, that it was a land of opportunity and it's a place where your children will get the most chance to excel. And so my dad always uh, wanted me to go to either law school or accounting school. He wanted me to, he'd seen these types of roles in, that, in Pirelli organisation. It was something he hoped for for me. And so uh, fast forward, when we landed in Australia in 1974, I started infant school here or second class, first class here in Australia. And um, all along throughout my entire childhood, my father was sort of shaping my direction you know, to take subjects that, that related to commerce and, you know, make sure I was very, very good at mathematics. And so um, I was probably, my, my, my papers were kind of <laughs> filled out for me from a very young age. So uh, at the end of year 12, where I had to decide on a, a tertiary education, I, I knew what would actually please my parents the most. Plus, by then, I was very much drawn to it because I was good at it because anything that you practice, and I was told to practice, um, you became good at. So that's how I probably got into finance. And, and I think that entrepreneurial flair, I still have it in me. And I was always um, looking out for it in customers in every financial organisation that I was uh, um, in charge of. Because again, what we're looking for is entrepreneurial spirit plus execution. So um, I think I was always drawn to try to spot it. I want to ask you about some of those early roles. Lease plan, I think, in the 90s and then nearly a decade at GE Capital, followed by, by other professional positions, obviously. What did you learn in those early years of your, your executive life? Yeah, it was interesting. When I went to lease plan, I, I really tried to focus in on um, the fundamentals of the business. So I, I said to the fellow who hired me, um, who I'd only met through my last organisation, and I said look, I really want to come in on the ground floor and, you know, just be an absolute sponge. Let me just figure it out. And then if I'm quite good at it, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what's next because I'd already been made general manager by a very, very young age. I was 27 at the time when I joined Lease Plan and um, I said to them, let me just kick off uh, at the most basic uh, roles you have. What are they? And just tell me about them. In the last organisation I was at before Lease Plan, uh, I'd gone through a rotation, rotation across all facets of the business which then when I ended up becoming the general manager of there, I thought was so valuable. So I was trying to do it again. So um, what I picked up from them was, um, you know, again, just focusing on process and the fundamentals of the business. And then once you had the process down pat and the fundamentals of the business and you knew them very, very well, and then you were thirsty enough to try to bring in improvements and innovation, you know, you can scale that. And once you could scale that, normally the case in point, and I just kept on repeating this in my career, people go, you know, what are you doing that is so special? Could you replicate it? How about you be in charge of this section? Now, I'll fast forward, but, you know, I left, um, I left uh, Lease Plan in a very, very senior position where I ran half the country, and then in the end I ended up running the country. Uh, I did that in four years. Uh, and I think what was, what was running through there was, you know, spotting improvements because I knew the processes so well and say, you know, why do we need steps three, four and eight? We can take those out. And of course, what do most capitalists want to do? Um, they want to actually make more with the same. Or even better is make more with less, yeah, and less being process inefficiency and customer dissatisfaction. 
And tell us about your role at Commonwealth Bank, obviously GFC 2007, 2008, 9 and, and onwards. Um, the banking system in Australia was, was turbulent to say the least. What was your role at Commonwealth during that time? One of the things of, of, about me is I'm, I'm incredibly drawn to values. If, if I get a really, really good feeling about your values, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly attracted um, to an organisation or even to a person. The Commonwealth Bank at that time, and, I, and I'll explain this um, for your listeners, at GE Capital we were told in no uncertain terms to do whatever it took to get the US money back to the USA. Yeah. Now, although we said there would be ramifications for Australian businesses, um, th those fell on deaf ears. Who took up that void was the Commonwealth Bank. And I was so impressed that, you know, in very, very fast time um, and with very courageous decisions, they stood in to help Australian businesses survive that period. Now, mind you, a lot of the organisations that were using GE Capital had defected from the Commonwealth Bank. So it would have been quite easy for the Commonwealth Bank to say, um, look, we, capital is scarce. Yeah, we've got a lot of applications on our desk. You know, you left us. Um, but I was so impressed that they did the actual, absolute opposite. They said, this is our turf, this is our backyard. These are Australians and these are Australian businesses. We have to save them. And I was drawn to that. And so. Um, when I jumped in during that period, it was a fascinating period because we just all rolled our sleeves up. It, we, were, we were on the Team Australia bandwagon and um, we, just, we just knew there was life and death uh, situation, uh, so to speak, for businesses and we just had to rescue as many as we could. So it was a very, very exciting time. I said I'd stay for three years to help them out <laughs> and to make my dad happy. I stayed for 13, so and you know what they say. Time flies when you're having fun, and it was really a lot of fun. Let's move into the, the more recent environment. How have you seen the financial um, industry evolve, the financial landscape evolve over the past decade or so? Yeah, it, it's, it's a fascinating landscape. Um, I, I think if you, if you look at what's been happening, organisations, like the big banks, have really tried to focus on the pieces that they're very, very good at, and then try and, go, and, then try and just, you know, less pieces but become incredibly deep in them and especially those ones domestically. So you know if you look at years gone by and I use ANZ as a case in point you know they wanted to conquer all of Asia you know and they wanted branches all over Asia and CBA toyed with that too and we had a lot of exposure in Indonesia and then we had exposure in Europe and London and the USA and what we were finding is that you know again we weren't really sticking to our core knitting and then we were sort of um, fragmenting a little bit and then uh, losing our way in our focus. So. I think what you find, the Australian banks are actually put up on a pedestal as how to do it. They are incredibly strong, their delinquencies are incredibly low, and their customer satisfaction levels are incredibly high. I, I know bank bashing is, a, is an Australian pastime, I get that, but I, I think if you step back and have a look on a global basis and you look at every metric on how you measure a bank, you'll find the four here, and I think for the betterment of this nation, are incredibly good. Um, businesses as far as the global landscape is concerned. They would all be in the top 10 banks on the planet and that means a, a great economy. And I think it's back to what I said, they are very focused on what they want to do and have become incredibly good at it. 
To what extent does the CEO drive the, the end strategy for those businesses? So you mentioned ANZ obviously under Mike Smith had a big Asia focus, then went to Shane Elliott and he's been more domestic. Same with CBA in some respects with Ian Narev and, and now Matt Common over the last five and a half years. But how how is their strategies, how does it flow down into the company and then dictate the, the culture and the, the strategy? Well, I, I think that I'm not sure the exact moment, I'm not sure the exact event, but something happened, and I think it was during the GFC, where all four of them said, we're on Team Australia. The relationship with Canberra um, really fostered through that time. And the government said, you know, this is the part we'd like you to play. And um, this is how you can help build a really, really strong nation and get us out of this. And I mean, I think most Australians would agree that Australia really didn't even get a sneeze during the GFC. Um, and so I think that was incredibly well managed between Canberra and the big banks. And I think what ended up happening during that period is, is if you have a look at the people who uh, elevated to the top of those banks, those four banks, a lot of them were homebred off the shop floor bankers in this country. Now, the last time CBA had someone like that was David Murray. Now, he went all the way through from mailroom to the top to the top of the organisation, but you know the ones we've had have also progressed, the CBA in particular, all the way through. And so you know, career bankers were all of a sudden incredibly fashionable instead of you know, bringing in someone from either A, overseas, or, or B, from, a, from a, maybe an adjacent industry. So I think that's helped a lot. And so um, again, getting to know their customer base and all the issues that those customers face incredibly closely. and, and uh, um, to, to, to the utmost detail and then knowing their businesses to that level of detail because they came out of them uh, and they've elevated through them, I think that's actually put the financial system in the, in the place it's in. So back to your career, obviously a highly successful 25 years in, in banking and finance. When you reflect on your career in that industry or in that landscape, what are your proudest achievements when you think back today? Oh, it's always serving the customers. It's always. My last position in CBA, running the, the commercial bank and prior to that, the entire corporate bank, you know, it's very, very hard. Um, you know, you're always as, only as good as your, your worst customer experience. And I was very, very pleased that at the time that I left the organisation and with um, 1,500 employees around this nation, 28,000 corporate customers, you know, we had virtually hit first position down the entire balance scorecard. And what I mean by that is not only our internal metrics, but how customers viewed us, you know, our, our responsive times, our, our, time, um, our net promoter score, you know, um, our, our processing time, our errors um, or lack of. So all of those things we had hit, they're all metricated and we'd hit an absolute outright first position. So, you know, it's never really about me, but the team and just having the team, you know, with very, very low attrition rates and becoming employer of choice in the, in the industry, I'd like to think I had a part in playing there in, in, in that outcome. And then and that probably that's the most proud moment because, you know, as I leave the organisation, I want to make sure, it's, again, I'm on the Team Australia bandwagon too. And, you know, I just want those 1,500 with the systems, processes and people in place that it just operates as well, if not better, without me. And, you know, my Queensland leader got my job, uh, which, again, makes me very, very happy. But, you know, I had four leaders in my team who we could have decided from, uh, and, uh, and I'm sure she'll do an amazing job. 
Let's talk about your current role as CEO of Vitoco Enterprises. You're now, I think, six weeks or so into the job, which would have taken your appointment back to the beginning of April of this year, 2023. Firstly, your relationship with, with Arnold and the Vitoco family, how long has that been going on for and, and how did the opportunity come about? Yeah, it was interesting. I've been thinking about the exact moment. I know the year, um, but... I, I, I remember when I got the job looking after the corporate bank of New South Wales and one of my bankers said, um, I have a family I need you to meet. The numbers are getting very, very big. So as you can appreciate inside a bank, you know, delegations of authority uh, are normally dictated by the amount you want to borrow. And so they want to introduce to the state leader quite quick people who are going to be on the state leader's desk, their applications. But, but the person who did say this to me, who's still a dear friend of this organisation, she said to me, I want you to meet this family because I think you will absolutely like what they stand for. Um, and you know the story. Um, they're an incredibly grounded family uh, and their values and their, and their roots here are deep. And I was drawn to them, and this was probably, I'm, I'm going to say Norellan Town Centre redevelopment, and then we rolled into Gregory Hills or the other, vice versa. But it was that era. Um, and of course, I, I was one of the people who has to ask the questions because I've put to it is, you know, can they pull this off? Because these were both very, very big for the family. Uh, and that was my first recollection of just watching how systematically the family were going to break these things down. One thing, you know, I knew they had plenty of, which was grit, determination and hard work. That, that bit we never actually ever doubted, you know. And, uh, and then just watching how they surrounded themselves with the right people who are still here today. It was actually something to, to, to actually stand back at and marvel at. And I, you know, we took lessons out of that and Australia's biggest organisation learning from, you know, a quite a modest organisation. And how's the transition been from that institutional corporate environment into a private family enterprise and, and where do you want to, what's your remit, what, where do you want to take the business? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is, is we're, 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 we're back to lease plan again um, because I'm a sponge again. And so, you know, I remember someone saying to me, you have two ears and one mouth and use them in that ratio. And so, you know, I am just um, probably badgering folks. And a lot of times I excuse myself as meetings, say, so, 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 hold on, what, what, what's that acronym mean? You know, and then I, then I write it down and then go back and bother them later because I don't want to derail a meeting. Say, OK, now what does that really mean and how does it work? And, and so I'm learning a lot. Um, there are things, obviously, I'm completely uh, the expert in the room, right? If we have to talk about funding of a project, everyone will turn to me. But, you know, I don't find that the exciting stuff, although they probably do. Um, I find the planning, the infrastructure, the design, the master plan, all the things that, you know, these guys probably now find uh, second nature. It's all new to me. And so, you know, um, normally by the time they reach the bank and that for an application, you know, there has been a magnitude of work done and that's the pieces that I'm really interested in. So the first six weeks I have just read everything that I can possibly read and asked as many questions as I can. I think I'm getting the hang of it that I can actually contribute to meetings um, in a sensible way. And presumably part of where you can or, or want to take the business is still having those family values, longevity, loyalty, family, but also uh, more sort of corporate governance around the business and, and professionalism in terms of the, the various layers and that sort of thing. You know, that, that is such a great question and one that I've wrestled with. The family don't know what it's like being inside a 50,000 person in organisation. And there is an enormous amount of excellent stuff inside a 50,000 place person organisation. However, 
If we brought all that rigour here, we would douse out a flame that is burning hot here. So what we have to do here, we have to preserve all the amazing pieces and we just have to supplement them. Yeah, And there are really, really simple things that we can do here. I'm always still looking for steps in the process where we're double handling. Or we can take this piece out because we've already signed this off at the beginning of the day. Why are we re-signing it at the end of the day? There's not a lot of risk uh, expansion during that period of time. So we can probably pull that piece out. So that, that is what I'm trying to do. I'm here to try and help enhance the business and become even better at what we do. And then I bring a technology lens. You know? So being in that kind of organisation that is, you know, as you would know, I'm sure uh, I'm not overstepping the mark by saying that is Australia's most technologically advanced bank. Well, we just sat there every day thinking about how can we digitise this? How can we foolproof this? How can we have, make this repeatable? And so, you know, I'm trying to bring that here too. And so I'm everything I'm looking at in here, I've, I've th I'll say to myself, I've seen this elsewhere in another industry. And, you know, being a corporate banker serving 28,000 customers across every industry, for-profit, not-for-profit and government, you've normally seen a similar process um, that has been digitised. So I'm trying to bring that here too. So that, of course, that gives everyone else here a very, very pleasant day at work. So if we can take out the stuff that annoys, we can actually focus on the stuff that really has big payoff and people enjoy doing. And then let's take a look at the current portfolio of assets. So there's quite a lot, obviously, in commercial property. There's a lot in the retail, or to some extent, there's some exposure in the in the retail sector. Are you comfortable with uh, the level of exposure in development, construction, investment, and retail or other ventures, or are you looking to change that? You and Arnold looking to change that at some point? I think we have to start with. What, what can this family be really good at? I'm talking best in Australia, maybe best in the world. And then look at, through those eyes, what businesses suit. I think the portfolio we have right now is actually quite diversified, yeah? Um, and if you, if you ever hear Arnold speak about the way we actually master plan, you know, you will see that, that you know, we start with core amenity and walking in the customers or the, the residents yeah, standing in their shoes. And then we try to sort of make sure that we're, we are again, you know, even on, on assets we will hold there, we're trying to diversify our exposure there. And we're always trying to look at things that have, you know, longevity. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean those items don't need to be rejuvenated. They do, of course, those assets. But a lot of the assets there are complementing each other. And we're looking at things like that. And some of the businesses that we've looked at uh, and that we're also currently looking at or even operate, you know, they are they they quite complementary. So they operate in an in inverse relationship to the others. So um, I think we're in, we're on the right track, but we'll keep looking. Is part of your role then almost as a as a gatekeeper as the business transitions potentially into other sectors, and the, this sort of succession planning occurs, and what does the next generation look like, and what's the next generation of the business look like? Are you a gatekeeper to some extent, with you know people always presenting proposals to the business for, oh, you should invest in this, you should invest in this stock, this venture, this growth capital raising? Oh, I wouldn't say gatekeeper. It's it's look, my, my education background is to take information and turn it usable. And so, you know, I just have to put in front of some very, very clever people here, right? These are the various options in front of us, or even this single option that's in front of us. Now, these are the pros and cons. And so we just make informed decisions. That's what it is. What you'll find with these kind of organisations, 
The thing that we're lacking the most is time. Can't be replicated, you know, and so we only have a finite amount of time and the, the organisation that can decipher data the fastest and make good decisions will prevail. And so my job here and surrounding people around me is to take information that is normally just, you know, incredibly confusing and sometimes not insightful and turn it insightful. So then the moments that we're all together, they're really impactful moments, yeah, and really clever decisions can be made at pace. And clearly having you on the team has assisted in, in funding, which you've spoken about earlier. Hey, in terms of... Mind you, yeah. I haven't been to any of the banks yet. So we'll, let's see how you good I am at that. They work and all the regulatory processes. But, but where do you want to take the business? I mean, it's, a, it's obviously still very uh, early days, six weeks in, but where do you think you can take it? What does the next phase of growth look like? Well, look, let's, let's talk about my skill sets first and we'll zone in on that. You've had a lot of customers and um, very successful individuals on this program. My key strength is to have a look at the capital stack of any organisation and ask at any moment in time, does that make sense? Yeah. And as you can imagine, the planet is awash with capital and that capital's got to find a home. But of course, all of it comes with pros and cons. Yeah? But you want to at least assess them all. Now, we're an organisation which you know, is very mildly geared. We've used debt when we need to, but we've only used one form of debt but there's lots of forms of debt. Um, and now, as the, as the world keep, becomes more and more borderless, you know, there are lots of folks who want to partake in providing debt. And so although I started this whole message with an incredibly nationalistic flavour to the Australian four banks, you know, they're, they're learning how to dance in a marketplace where lots of players want to play. And so you know, we'll have to look at that. It would be negligent of me not to put that in front of the family. So these are the kind of things we will look at. And one form is debt, of course, the other is equity. Uh, and so, again, the planet is awash with those funds where people are happy to take an equity stake. You know? And sometimes there's all forms of equity and then there's a certain amount of equity that comes passive and some that comes active. But we haven't reviewed those in the past. Yeah? But we will, because to stay current, we'll have to look at all those, because that's what everyone else is doing. Just in terms of the, the current economic environment, are you bullish, bearish? Are you sitting somewhere in the middle? Are you concerned about uh, the, you know, raising interest rates? Are you concerned about the environment over in the States in terms of commercial property, in particular commercial office and these sorts of things, or are you a little bit more relaxed? Look, I, I might start with our assets and say I'm not really worried about any of our assets being impacted. We, the family has bought incredibly wisely and they know those assets intimately. Every single asset we have, we've probably thought about, you know, option B, C and D, what if scenarios. So we're, we're comfortable with those. Having said that, we do sit around and think about our customers. And that's what this is all about, you know. So a lot of the, 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 a lot of the assets we own are shopping centres. You know, we're watching closely what folks are buying and what they're not buying and their check size and their checkout size. And so, you know, these are the things that, that, we're, that we've got to think about. And it's not, it's not really the same kind of conditions of five years ago for the average Australian. So, you know, you know where interest rates have gone. So they, the average family's probably lost $1,000 a month worth of shopping expenditure. Right? or of monies available for shopping expenditure. So we have to think about all those things. 
I actually do think the, the country is in a, I was going to say the organisation, but the, I do think the country is in a good position that it can make multiple moves uh, depending on how it plays out. I'm kind of hoping that, you know, we go through now a period of stabilisation. I'm not saying um, rates are going up or down, I'm just hoping that they actually stabilise now so folks can say, well, I can budget with that. Yeah, that's all they need to know. I think if that happens, we're okay. I mean, a lot of us, my age more than yours, would recall interest rates a hell of a lot higher than here. I, I know we're really all doing it tough, but you know, relatively speaking, at 5.5% or 5.2% owner-occupied, you know, it's not too bad. Final question. In, to what extent is your role also to be a sounding board for the next generation of, of leadership or leaders in the company, in particular for Dominic and Anthony? I thought about it hard when I was coming here. One of the reasons I'd come here, and I, just, I really, really want to help the boys, you know, Dominic and, Ant Dominic and Anthony review businesses um, uh, in the same fashion I do and, and, and what's taught in university lecture rooms. Uh, and I have that experience and I have that education, so I do want to do that a lot. Uh, and they're thirsty, uh, I can tell you now, you know. Uh, so, and they're a joy to be around. And so I've known those boys, as you can appreciate, going back 12 or 13 years ago. I remember when they were teenage lads and they were, uh, or even in those times, they wanted to talk to me about banking and, you know, what's the best way to fund something? And I thought, these guys are such sponges and uh, I'm just really, really happy to be here and help them. And, he, and I can tell you now, whenever I throw ideas at them, they go, oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And so, you know, as long as they keep showing an interest, I'll just keep on pushing material onto them and then uh, giving them my, my advice. And, uh, and look, they, they are really very, very capable men. Mark Kuda, CEO of Otoko Enterprises, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Rob.